Broadcasting from another dimension, deep, deep within the Ghost Shrimp National Forest, inside of a log cabin built by the Secret Society of Ghost Scouts. Sending secrets from the future directly into your motherfucking mind. That's right, everybody. It's the Ghost Shrimp and Friends Podcast, episode 10. You know what I'm saying? And this is a very special episode. This episode begins where my story begins. August 14th, 1980, Cooley Dickinson Hospital. Robert and Mary James give birth to Daniel Rogers James. You know what I'm saying? My birth name. Possibly one of the whitest names in the history of the world. I grew up in a little town called Shutesbury, Massachusetts. A great little town, you know what I'm saying? I grew up on a dirt road, 29 Baker Road, shout outs. Shutesbury was so small that it had a post office and a library, and that's about it. You know what I'm saying? You had to take a little drive, about a 20-minute drive, I think, to Amherst, Massachusetts, to do food shopping, maybe hit up some Bell's Pizza, maybe hit up some Amherst Chinese food. You know what I'm saying? Shout-outs. Some of our favorite spots when we got to eat out on occasion. You know what I'm saying? My parents were both social workers. You know what I'm saying? So we had a a modest upbringing. But all about being yourself, being passionate, treating people well. You know what I'm saying? In my family, whenever there was disagreements, we would all get together and talk it out no matter how small or how big. And, you know, that makes for a very strong family. You know, I grew up in a very happy family. Had an older, have an older brother have a younger brother who was born when I was five, little sister, born when I was 10. My older brother's 11 years older than me. It's actually my half-brother. My dad got married when he was mad young. And I, I had, a, I had a, a very idyllic, nature-based childhood, you know what I'm saying? Up to the age of 12, I was... Just chilling in the woods with my friends, with a posse of kids. You know what I'm saying? There was always a pack of kids. Grew up across the street from a hippie commune where they had a bunch of land and they built a bunch of houses and community center and gardens and all kinds of shit. So there was always a pack of kids running up and down the dirt road, riding bikes, exploring the forest. 
you know what I'm saying, seeing who could climb into the top of the tallest trees, seeing who could dare to go higher when you're way up in the top of that tree and the wind is swaying it back and forth, you know what I'm saying, swimming in the pond, exploring the old logging trails in the miles and miles of forest behind my house, you know what I'm saying, and... Uh, loved to draw growing up, of course, you know what I'm saying? Watched cartoons, loved to play with Legos, play with G.I. Joes, you know what I'm saying? I had an older brother, so I inherited all his original Star Wars figures. Big Star Wars fan growing up, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, really couldn't have been happier you know saying i was always been a super rowdy kid i had to stay back in kindergarten i had an assigned seat on the bus in my second year of kindergarten you know what i'm saying so rowdy right out the gate never really liked to listen to people never really liked to sit in one place always liked to be going on an adventure always liked to be laughing with my friends you know what i'm saying i can remember chasing girls around on the playground making up my own action music you know what i'm saying having a super good time used to draw with my big brother a ton you know what i'm saying grew up drawing grew up playing some atari we got some ataris at a yard sale Hooked it up to the TV in the basement. We didn't have cable. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, playing some old school video games. Um, when I was 12 years old, my parents moved to southern New Hampshire. Um not too far from the ocean. It's the seacoast region of New Hampshire. Because my dad got uh, the opportunity to be a director at uh, at at this uh, big nonprofit social service that provides help for people that are you know handicapped, uh, mentally disabled, what we used to call when we were kids retarded people. Um, since my parents grew up, you know, since we grew up doing that we weren't allowed to my parents wouldn't allow us to say retarded because my dad helped handicap people so of course as soon as my parents weren't around we'd call each other retarded all the time we'd call each other butt lick my parents my dad said that he would spank us if he ever heard us saying the word butt lick so of course we said it all the time you know what i'm saying butt lick butt lick butt lick butt lick as soon as my parents turned around very happy childhood <clears throat> super into basketball, baseball, basketball cards, trading basketball cards. My parents had to approve our trades because I would try to rip my little brother off. His friends would come over and I'd try to make trades with his friends. They had to be approved by the commissioner, a.k.a. my parents. You know what I'm saying? Um, my parents... You know, when we grew up, I grew up in the in, in that really small town where you just, you knew everybody, you know what I'm saying? 
And I grew up with the same group of kids from kindergarten to sixth grade. And, you know, every at everybody's birthday party, you know, people, sleepovers. You're friends with everybody. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you wouldn't get along with so-and-so, but everybody was friends. You know what I'm saying? And you just know everybody in the community in, in small town New England like that. And that's the charm of it. That's what makes it so wonderful. That's why I've come full circle and, and, and set that up for my adult life and, and to raise my kids up here now in a similar setting. You know what I'm saying? Very, very wholesome, very accountable, very enjoyable. You know what I'm saying? Small, simple. And when my parents, my dad got this job to be the director of this agency, it was a good move for them. And uh, we moved to Durham, New Hampshire when I was 12, 12, 13. The summer going into seventh grade. So all my all my uh, kids that I grew up with were going off to junior high in Amherst, which was a huge deal. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I, I went and I became the new kid in, uh, in New Hampshire at Oyster River Middle School. And, uh, you know, I remember I got there and there was a group of girls and they said to me, they said, we heard there was a new boy moving in. There was a, there was a new boy coming to town and we just found out it's you and we're disappointed. You know what I'm saying? It was so harsh. I was this goofy, gawky, skinny teenager, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm one of the coolest kids. You know, I'm friends with everybody. Everybody knows who I am back home. I'm a cool guy. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay. And so, you know, that was kind of a rude awakening for me. You know, getting uh, picked on a lot. And at the same time, you know what I'm saying, this, this time of your life is when People start telling you, you know, you got to think about what you're going to do with your life, you know, and, you know, you got to make the right decisions because this shit's going on your permanent record, right? And all of a sudden, I found myself sitting in school. You have to go to school. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't enjoy going to school anymore. You know what I'm saying? I used to enjoy it back in the day in elementary school. I still used to get in trouble and get kicked out of class, but I enjoyed it. Now, all of a sudden, I don't have any friends. I don't have my home anymore. You know what I'm saying? Really, truly was sad and lonely. And at this time, you know, I started to really choose to act out and and choose to have a negative outlook and a negative attitude because... As I did start to look up and look at mainstream reality and look at the choices that mainstream reality held, none of them interested me. I wasn't interested in going and getting a job in some arbitrary profession. You know what I'm saying? Most people that I saw weren't happy with their life, weren't happy with what they did every day, was not pursuing their passions. You know what I'm saying? My parents were pursuing their passions. You know, but 
but you know, I didn't want to be a social worker. My mom actually, uh, when I was a teenager, chose to go to college to become a minister. She went to seminary school and became a minister, you know, saying later in her career. A UCC minister, you know, very open-minded as far as organized religion goes. Not a huge fan of organized religion. Had to grow up going to church every day and shit, but, you know, just really much of boredom for me. But my mom became a minister, you know, followed her dream as a really good example for me. You know, my mom worked super hard and followed her dream to become a minister. And, you know, she is, uh, you know, she's in the, the later stages of her ministerial career now. She has a church she's at. And, uh, you know, but just looking out and just just thinking, man, like, I, I don't want to go to school. 90% of the time, the shit that they're talking about and making me do, I, you know, I have no interest in. I don't want to sit there. A lot of my teachers are fucking jerks. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Louise Stoddard in the resource room. You know what I'm saying? For getting me through that. Shout out to uh, Mr. Lawrence and Mrs. Belinsky in the art room. Definitely getting me through that. Without those three people, I would not have made it through high school. There's no question. During this time... You know what I'm saying? Middle school, high school, there was this this four or five year chunk of time where I was truly lost. I looked into my future and did not see anything. I saw a void and I hated what I had to do every day going to school. So I really chose to start, you know, I've always been a, 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 the instigator. You know what I'm saying? And that could be good or bad. And at this point, it was bad because I was choosing to be disruptive. I was choosing to be disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? I would just piss off my teachers because my attitude was like, all right, you're going to make me fucking be here. Guess what? I'm going to fucking make your day a lot worse. That was my attitude. And honestly, a lot of the teachers I had deserved it. You know what I'm saying? Whether or not their intentions were good, they were not patient people. They shouldn't have been teachers. They clearly didn't like what they did because they didn't give a fuck about me. You know what I'm saying? And what I was being told every day going to school with the system of school and with the teachers was that I was a fuck up. You know what I'm saying? I am a fuck up. And at that point, I was upset about it because I was trying to be good. I was trying to do what I was supposed to do, you know what I'm saying? But I wanted to do it on my terms, you know what I'm saying? I'm not the type of person that is going to just follow what I'm supposed to do because you told me to, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, wait a minute, who are you and what are we doing again? You know what I'm saying? Those are the questions that I ask. So high school, middle school and high school was, you know, uh, overall... I mean, I had I made it fun for myself, but inside there was a lot of turmoil because my parents wanted me to do good too, right? And when I was skipping school, when I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, when I was, you know, getting kicked out of class every other day, getting suspended, you know what I'm saying, a couple times a month or whatever it was, that created conflict between me and my parents you know what i'm saying 
And in my sophomore year of high school, that landed me in uh, a mental institution for teenagers for two weeks. Um, I had, you know, my, like I said, when, when shit's going wrong, my family sits down and talks about it. We were sitting down talking about it. My parents were telling me, you can't be skipping school. You can't be hanging out with this person and this person and that person. You know what I'm saying? They're getting in trouble with the law. This is no good. This is not the way you want to go with your life. You know what I'm saying? Of course they were right. But I didn't see it that way at the time. And I got up. I threw a chair at my dad. You know what I'm saying? He restrained me. In my mind, I thought I could headbutt my dad right now. And then I could get out of here. But I didn't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? They called the cops. They handcuffed me. They brought me to the Portsmouth Pavilion for two weeks. And I actually loved it there, you know what I'm saying? Because I did not have to do any homework. I didn't have to go to school. I was just hanging out with a bunch of fucking other fuck-ups. Although they were a lot of times more fucked up than I was, you know what I'm saying? You know, I had smoked pot maybe one time at this point, and, you know, I hadn't committed any crimes or anything like that, and my family was, uh, you know, a, a very together, good family, you know what I'm saying? I was just a lost kid, and, and, and you know, truly, there was no place for me in mainstream reality at that point. I didn't fit in to what I was supposed to do. And, you know what I'm saying, I, I eventually, after two weeks, they discharged me from the, from the mental hospital, and I didn't want to leave, because I didn't want to go back to school, but, you know, that was what was worked out, I guess. And then, you know, during this time, you know, I had been, you know, throughout all these struggles, I had been diagnosed with severe ADHD, being medicated for ADHD, it was become being medicated for depression, you know what I'm saying, being medicated for migraines, all the shit that just are symptoms that you're that the shit's out of balance in your life. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> That's what those things are symptoms of. If you're not happy with what you're doing every day in your life, there's gonna be signs. It's gonna show. And it all culminated this dark time, this four years of struggling. Of course, having great times too, you know what I'm saying? Having girlfriends, making best friends, you know what I'm saying? Meeting some of the people that I'm still best friends to with the, to this day, you know what I'm saying? Shout out Daddy Ball Scout. Shout out Tin Cans Azula. Shout out Neck Beard, you know what I'm saying? The homies, everybody else, you know who you are. We had a lot of really good times. But inside... It was a struggle because I still had to figure out who I was and what I wanted my life to be about. You know what I'm saying? You can't define yourself by just struggling against the system that you live in because you need to, that, that doesn't make any sense. You're confined within the system. You're just going to keep getting stuck in the negative part of the system. And this all culminated in a day at the beach with the family. You know what I'm saying? We, My older brother was in town. 
He had moved out at this point. And we went to this beach in Massachusetts where you can jump off of some cliffs. And we're up there and we're looking down. And my brother's looking down and he's like, damn. You know, I don't remember that ledge being down there. You know, maybe it was the tides were different or something. But it's about a 40-foot cliff. And just before the water, there's this, there's this ledge at the bottom that's sticking out. You know, I don't know, five, six feet. And you got to clear that. And he goes, all right, this is how you do it. He leans out. He, he stands on the edge of the cliff. He leans out, bends his knees, and jumps off just right there from a standstill. Splash, right? He makes the jump. And he's like, you know, he tells me before he jumps, he goes, whatever you do, don't run. This is how you got to do it. If you run and jump, it's not good. You got to stand here and jump like this. And then he showed me. And it looked like he made it fine to me. But what I didn't know was that he said he had barely made the jump. And he was about to tell me not to jump. But he's at the bottom of the cliff. And I'm at the top of the cliff. And so I back up. You know, I'm a little freaked out. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. And there's these ladies sitting up there. And they go, you shouldn't jump off of there. That's dangerous. And I'm like, nah, don't worry. We got this. We know what we're doing. You silly ladies. I didn't say that because I'm a nice kid. I'm a nice person, guys. I'm a nice person. You know what I'm saying? And I start running. And I know I'm not supposed to be running, but I'm like, if I don't jump right now, I'm going to chicken out. And I'm like, wait, I'm not supposed to be running. And okay, I got to stop. I got to stop. And I stop. But the problem is, I'm already off the edge of the cliff. I'm in the air. Like Wiley Coyote. And time is standing still. It's frozen. And I'm there. Looking around. Standing on thin air. And I go, oh shit. Because I see exactly what's about to happen. And my older brother's down there. And he looks up. He hears me say that. And at the same time, my dad's watching us on the beach. You know what I'm saying? And my dad said that when he saw me fall head over heels down that cliff, he said, I was sure that you were dead. I was sure I just watched my son die. Now, it turns out I didn't die. It turns out that I was lucky enough when I was falling head over heels down this cliff that I didn't land on my head. What happened was, I landed on my feet. And I broke every bone in both my feet instantly along with my left ankle in three places. And also on the way down I had broken my wrist, which we found out like two weeks later. I bounce off the ledge. I splash into the water. And the only thing I'm thinking is as soon as you get out of the water, just tell people you're okay. So I swim up and I start waving my arms around and I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. 
And my dad said he couldn't believe it. And my older brother's sitting there at the bottom of the cliff, and I swim over to him. And I try to stand up, but I fall down. I look down at my feet, and I could see bones sticking out of the side of my foot. And I sit down at the bottom of the cliff, and my older brother's crying. You know, saying I'm in shock immediately, body full of adrenaline. So, of course, it hurts, but it's like you're in another dimension at that point. And we can't go back up the cliff. You know, saying so. This all seems like a moment in my mind, but they had to call an ambulance. They had to get a boat over there. Cops stripped down to his tidy whities and and swam out and put me on a stretcher board and brought me to the boat. Really nice policeman. And, you know, I go to the hospital. And they say that my feet are like jello. That they're so badly broken that they have to wait a little bit till they can operate. They have to wait a week or so. Till they take some kind of shape. Till they take some kind of form. You know what I'm saying? And I was in a wheelchair for three months. But at that moment. When I was in there. And you know. Talking to the doctors. I've been in the hospital for a few days. They've assessed my situation. And they say, we don't know if you're ever going to be able to walk again. And at that moment, a switch clicked over in my mind. And I said, there is absolutely no way that that is my future. Okay, I immediately saw a fork in the road. I saw choices in front of me. I saw that if I accepted that, And if I kept doing the things that I've been doing, just trying to be a destructive force, being mad at the world and trying to destroy the world and trying to destroy my teachers and the school and anything that got in my way, that that was going to be my future of oblivion. You know what I'm saying? I was going to be a nobody. I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now because you wouldn't know who I am. I saw another choice. I saw a choice where I stopped letting things happen to me in my life. I was going to stop being a victim of circumstances. You know what I'm saying? I was going to start making things happen for myself. I was going to have to create my own reality if I was going to survive. Because I knew well and good right then. That this is what mainstream reality had in store for me. That it was going to beat me down and could keep breaking me till the end. But I knew that if I took all my focus and all my energy, if I turned my ADHD into a superpower instead of a a disability. You know what I'm saying? They call it a learning disability or whatever. At least they did then. At least that's how people treated you. You know what I'm saying? That you're stupid. 
You're an idiot. I had teachers call me an idiot. You know what I'm saying? That I had the opportunity to choose to have a positive, productive outlook. And if I did that, and I put all my energy and focus into creating my own reality, built upon the things that I love to do, a life full of the things that interested me, if I pursued my passions in life, that was going to work. And that is the birth. That moment was the birth of my modern-day Goshrimp mentality. You know what I'm saying? And at that point in time, I started smoking weed every day. I quit going to therapy. I quit the meds. You know what I'm saying? I didn't need them anymore because I was on a mission. You know what I'm saying? The therapy certainly helped me gain insight into my own emotions and be a more introspective person. You know what I'm saying? Although that's definitely how my family is wired. And I went forward with that attitude in mind. I healed very quickly. You know what I'm saying? I did have some other setbacks. I had to have two knee surgeries. I tore my the padding behind my kneecap twice in a row. After that, it was super discouraging. When they sat there and told me I needed surgery again for the third time, my feet, my knee, my knee, I was devastated. You know what I'm saying? I thought, this is never going to fucking end. I sat there. I remember sitting there in the doctor's office and staring out the window and just thinking, just being crushed. Like, this is never going to end, man. No matter what I think, this is never going to end. But I knew better. And I got after it. You know what I'm saying? I started smoking weed every day. I started focusing on drawing the, you know, started using the weed to get deep, deep into my imagination, taking it to that other transcendental realm, and also using that to realize that you can shift your reality. You know what I'm saying? When you smoke weed and all of a sudden you look around and reality has shifted a bit. You realize that there are infinite realities and that you can choose your reality and that mainstream reality is a choice. You know what I'm saying? Mainstream reality is a set of other people's ideas that have been kept in place over time. And a lot of them are bullshit. A lot of them are cool. A few of them are cool. But a lot of them are bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And it's not really about you following your passion okay there's a lot of talk about shit like that in mainstream reality but that's not what they teach you that's not what they teach you in school they teach you the opposite pretty much everything in mainstream reality is backwards and i was really starting to figure that out at this point you know what i'm saying so i get out of the wheelchair i heal quick get up on the crutches have those setbacks but I heal up. I got a metal plate in my heel. I got six screws in my foot. You know what I'm saying? I got a pin in my right foot. But, I, you know, anybody you talk to now, you know, climb. I climb mountains. I hike. Do all that shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm healed up. And I'm able to turn it around. I'm able to. Focus on getting grades 
that will allow me to pass high school before I was on the brink of failing out C's and D's, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm smart enough that now that I have a purpose, I can sit here and, you know, do the work. I, I get accepted to Pratt. I go to school in Brooklyn for the first time in my life. You know what I'm saying? I'm in control. And I'm thrilled. And I put my work ethic to use. You know what I'm saying? My parents, I grew up always having a job. My parents, you know what I'm saying? I was a kid and they said, I want a beeper. And they were like, all right, you want a beeper? Okay, go get a job. You know what I'm saying? I got a paper route, make it 25 bucks an hour. You know what I'm saying? I worked at the pet store. I worked at the hardware store. I worked at the toy store in the mall. You know what I'm saying? From the age of 14 onwards, I had a job and worked through college as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, working on summer break and spring break. And I had a work study job at school. And I didn't stand out at school in the beginning with my work, but I, I stood out with my work ethic. You know what I'm saying? You can't control the level of skill or talent that you have. You know what I'm saying? But you can't control the level of work ethic you put in. And I knew that. And I put that to work. And by the time juniors and senior year rolled around, you know what I'm saying? I started to stand out a little bit from for developing my artistic voice. Started to get some work, put out a comic, you know what I'm saying? Got 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 in front of the art director for the New York Times book review and uh, you know, started getting some kind of monthly jobs through them, which was great. And I was I moved back home to New Hampshire and lived with my parents for, you know, the first year. And whether I had a job or not, woke up at 6 a.m. every day, you know, putting up new drawings, developing my brand, getting my website going, going to all the businesses around saying, hey, can I do a label for you? Can I do a logo for you? You know what I'm saying? Working $100 jobs, $200 jobs, $300 jobs, you know what I'm saying? Getting $500 for those New York Times jobs. You know, saying bumping into some coffee shop clients that gave me three grand to do a logo for them, which was huge money at that time for me. And at that time, you know, what I'm saying I, I I got a got a couple apartments with a couple of girlfriends. You know, what I'm saying saved up, got out of my parents' house, just like I said, and and uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, working it, you know making it happen, getting my career rolling. And at this time, you know, I'm reconnecting with friends in the area and, you know, a couple of my good friends had got this 100 acres of forest up on this little mountain nearby and some old hunting cabins up there and they were fixing them up. You know what I'm saying? And making some snowboard trails on this little mountain. My buddy who owned it, who owns it, you know what I'm saying? Owns Mystery Mountain, what we came to call it. You know, he was uh he, he works at a at a factory, running the machine shop, you know what I'm saying? Hard working dude, you know, 
building his house up in the woods so he can just do his own thing, be independent. And he was really an inspiration to me work ethic wise. And, you know, I was already kind of known for my work ethic, but I'd never seen anybody work as hard as this dude. You know what I'm saying? And, and also like, you know, just, just how much he knew how to do, how independent minded he was, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know how to build anything or anything like that. But uh, just being up there, doing all this stuff with them, doing cookouts, you know what I'm saying, riding around on some ATVs in the woods, just having a blast. And, you know, really, really started to have this insane intuition from the first time I stepped on that property that this is what I need to be doing. You know what I'm saying? I need to be getting back to the woods because I grew up in the woods. That's where all my imagination comes from. That's where all of that shit is rooted and and he was like, you know, hey, if you want to fucking, you know, I've been working with him for a while up there. And I was like, man, this is it. The homesteading thing, man. I'm like, a, you know, if I, if, I, if I built a little cabin in the woods, if I got some land and built some cabin in the woods, I could have complete creative freedom. You know what I'm saying? That was my whole thing. You know, in my career, I just wanted to smoke weed every day draw some album covers, draw some comics. That was my dream life, you know what I'm saying? And then this was a whole other piece to the puzzle. As soon as I hooked up with these guys again, I was like, yo, man, you guys got this for us. This is, this is how I grew up. This is what I need to do. And he's like, well, yo, while you're waiting, why don't you build a cabin up in these woods? And then when you go off and get your own piece of land and do that shit, you know, just give me your cabin. It's all good. And I was like, all right. And so we did that shit. Came back the next day, the next week with a chainsaw. You know, saying I don't think he thought I was serious, but fucking, I was like, all right, let's go, let's do this. And we went up there. He's like, all right, cleared out a spot. You know, saying I was with this girl at the time, and uh, you know, she had some her, her her parents had built some shit, and and they had some wood left over. Brought the wood up there, and uh, and her uh, her couple people in her family helped us frame up this cabin. I had no idea what we were doing and, uh, you know, started, started just building on this cabin. I, I moved up there into a tent in the winter time. You know what I'm saying? I was camping out during the winter, working on this cabin. I get in the cabin and, uh, I'm just loving it. And, and, you know, it's the whole thing was a real challenge for me because, I didn't know anything about building. I didn't know what I was doing. I was up there alone most of the time and I would not need what I needed to know. I would not have what I needed to know. I would not have the right tools and all this shit. It was super frustrating at times. I doubted myself at times. I sat there like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I'm saying? But I knew intuitively that this was part of my destiny it was calling to me it was not sensical i was sitting there like what does this have to do with my with my illustration career but i had this intuition okay that if i created my whole life like an illustration if i went out there and used the forest you know what i'm saying to create my life from scratch and do it myself do something that nobody that i knew in the art world was doing I wanted my work to be unique and creative and imaginative. And I thought 
if my whole life, if everything in my life is literally created by myself, you know what I'm saying, by me, you know, that that is going to make my work come from a place that other people aren't coming from. It's going to be incredibly unique. I'm My whole lifestyle is going to be, is going to embody creativity and imagination. You know what I'm saying? Ingenuity, independence. And so I stuck with it. And I stepped up to the challenge. And I did it. And I proved to myself that I could do it. You know what I'm saying? I was like a pioneer in the wilderness. And that was an important part of it to me. I think also because we had moved away and I felt that I had lost my childhood home that this was the first step in regaining that. You know what I'm saying? Making a place that was mine, that was my home, even though it was just temporary. There was something in the act of creating it myself that made it very personal and very cozy and I loved it. And I spent a couple years alone up there in the woods. You know what I'm saying? I'd ride my bike into town, get groceries every week. Six miles in, six miles out, summer, winter, through the snow. And, you know, it was close to my parents' house, 20 miles away, so I would connect with them on some weekends and shit. And, of course, you know, connect with my friends. But I was really focused on getting deep into my imagination, getting deep into my creative zone and really killing it. You know what I'm saying? Putting up the best work that I could possibly do. You know what I'm saying? I knew that I wanted to erase the line between my life and my work. I wanted to make them one thing, and this was that. And I'm living up in the forest doing it. And I realized that this is definitely what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? I proved it to myself. And I had had an opportunity earlier when I first got into my cabin. Cartoon Network had hit me up. Thurup Van Orman from Flapjack was like, dude, I'm a huge fan. He hit me up on MySpace, right? I'm a huge fan. And, uh, you know, I really want you to come work for my show. It was before Flapjack was on the air. Um, and he was like, I got this show picked up. I want you to come storyboard for me. And it was right when I got up in the cabin and I was really deep in this process of 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 this challenge for myself. And I said, no, nah, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up in this cabin. I'm doing illustration stuff. I'm good, man. I don't have any desire to go to LA. You know, I never really had any desire to go work for a studio or anything like that. So, you know, it seemed a little crazy at the time to turn down a big opportunity, but you know, I had a really strong vision of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And I was on that quest. I, I knew that I was chasing my destiny. So I stuck with it. And, you know, then time passed and, you know, I was like, I had proven it to myself. I've been up in this cabin and now it was sort of getting towards the next phase. Like, okay, how do I get my own land? You know, how do I make this happen, you know, on my own property? And Cartoon Network came at me again. Thurup came at me again and he was like, yo, you know, what if you do some freelance for the show? And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I'm down to freelance for whatever. That's the fun thing about being a freelance illustrator is you get all kinds of different work. So I'm like, sure, of course, I'll do some freelance for you. 
So we do three freelance storyboards together, one after another. It starts one, and then, hey, man, this is great. You know, even though the first one was really shitty, I had no idea what I was doing, you know what I'm saying? But uh, but I was, you know, learning on the job, and they were into it. And, uh, you know, enough so anyway to go, hey, let's do it again. So we do the second one. Uh, my partner on these first three is John Infantino. And, uh, you know, it's fun to work with him. And we're working together. And, uh, you know, we do a second one. The second one's coming together better. The second one was, uh, was Masthead Madness. And then the third one was, uh, fish, uh, was fish Heads. And that episode started really to come together for me. I started to really feel like I was figuring out how to get my voice into the, into the storyboard and how to do the storyboard technically. And, uh, you know, things were going really well. The only real hitch was that, you know, because I was, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that likes to get their work done up front. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm really putting everything I have into it to really learn this new thing of storyboarding and this new genre of working, working in the cartoon business. And, uh, you know, the guys that work on Flapjack, on that show, there was a real laid back environment. And mostly the guys would socialize in the studio during the day. And then they would cram on the, uh, at the end, you know, kind of, they would, they would go, they would procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. And then they would try to get all their work done at the end. So, you know, throughout this process, I would have my half of the storyboard done, you know, before the other people had really started theirs. Um, you know, but that just, you know, I mean, I was like, Hey, these guys know what they're doing. Um, that's their thing. You know, I'm getting good feedback. The episodes are getting better. Um, there was, uh, a time where, you know, we were going to me and John and Bettino were going to go in and pitch. And he was like, he came in, it was that morning and I don't like to be put on the spot. You know what I'm saying? I don't like to have to come up with stuff in the moment because that's not my strength. So I work around that. You know what I'm saying? I make sure that I'm prepared for everything. And we come in that morning and he goes, oh man, you got to help me do my ending. I still got to do whatever, 10 pages of the end here. You got to do this. And I'm like, yo man, like what? We're, we're presenting in like an hour, dude. Like I've been, I've been done with this forever. Like, what do you mean? You know what I'm saying? And to me, it seemed really unprofessional. And he was really mad at me. He was really frustrated with me that I, that I was not into this, you know, Sam, um, you know, but that was really the only, one of the only things that, you know, was, was kind of any conflict that I experienced at that time. So, you know, all the signs where everything was going good and, uh, we do that third episode and, you know, Everybody's like, man, this is, you know, this is getting, this is getting good. You know, you're figuring it out. I remember JG telling me, man, each storyboard you do is getting better. You're learning. This is great. You know, all the feedback I'm getting is positive from everybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I have a friendship going with Thurup. When I was coming out, I was you know, staying with him a bit and he really recruited me and brought me along. You know, I'm also staying with my buddy Pete Browngard at this time. You know what I'm saying? Who went on to do uh, Secret Mountain Fort Awesome and Uncle Grandpa. He's my super homie. We're definitely going to get him on the podcast. And, um, you know, so I'm going back and forth doing this freelance stuff. And, you know, they're like, man, you know what? 
these freelancers going good, you got to come out and work full time for the show. So at this point, I'm like, man, you know, if I go out there for a couple of years, I'm really going to be able to save up enough money to buy my own land. So, you know, I thought I don't want to go to L.A., but, you know, it's this short term sacrifice to really set myself up for this big next phase of my life that I that I'm envisioning. So I go for it. I'm like, all right, borrow three thousand dollars from my grandpa. You know what I'm saying? Drive out there. Move out there, get an apartment, put a down payment on a place, you know what I'm saying? Sign a 15 grand lease for the year. You know what I'm saying? Very excited, telling Thurup, yo, man, this is so exciting. Just sign this lease. And, uh, you know, everything's going good. And uh, when I get there, they give me a new storyboard partner. And uh, it's Mike Roth. And we get an outline called Knuckles Hilarious Problem. And we do that episode. And uh, still definitely my favorite episode that I did. And to me, it was super successful. I was like, I finally really feel like it clicked. Like I got everything. And I was very thrilled with it. And we had fun through the process. We started to warm up to each other. Mike Roth is kind of a real macho. He puts on this facade of a macho man's man. And uh, I remember, you know, when he got partnered up, he's like, you know, you're just a young, you're just a young guy off the street to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he would say things like that. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky, lighthearted guy. You know, I like to wear jumpsuits to work. I like to wear short shorts to work. I like to mix it up. I like to have fun. You know what I'm saying? I'm making friends with people on the show. Penn Ward is on the show. Pat McHale is on the show. You know what I'm saying? My man Sumbalai Zyapone is on the show. Kent Osborne is on the show. Steve Little is on the show. So, you know, I'm starting to get comfortable feeling myself a lot. You know, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, probably, probably feeling myself a little too much ego-wise. You know, like, wow, man, I got recruited to come work for Cartoon Network, all this and that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the pattern from before where I'm kind of getting my work done up front and my partner is, you know, getting their work done on the back end, uh, repeats, you know what I'm saying? Mike, you know, gets his shit done, cramming it in the last weekend, you know, before we're going to turn it in and stuff. But, you know, again, it's like, Hey, these guys are the professionals, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's giving me, you know, good feedback. So, you know, whatever, I'm not going to worry about them. I'm just going to, you know, do my thing and worry about myself. You know, do the best that I can. I'm, I'm, whenever I work on something, I put 100% into it. You know what I'm saying? I never put less than 100% into what I'm working on. And if there's a problem, I'll fix it. And what I didn't know is that apparently there were problems, but I wasn't being told about any of it. No one ever sat me down and told me that there were problems. And me and Mike Roth get our next outline and we board our next episode. And again, you know, I do my shit and I'm done. And then, you know, he hasn't started his and then he comes along and and does his and we go in to pitch it. And we pitch our board. And, you know, you pitch in front of the whole crew. And... Thurup goes, that 
was terrible. And we're like, oh, shit. And, uh, you know, he starts to say what's wrong with it. And Mike starts to argue with Thurup. And the two get in an extremely heated argument. They are yelling at each other in front of the whole crew in the writing room. You know what I'm saying? In the pitch room, in the, in the meeting room. And I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, it seemed like, you know, was a fight going to break out or, you know, is, is Mike about to get fired? Like, I was just like, everybody was dead silent. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. You know what I'm saying? And, and eventually Thurup's like, all right, Mike, we need to go talk. You know what I'm saying? They're just yelling back and forth to each other. And then after a minute of that, he's like, let's go talk in my office. And they go talking. He goes in there and I'm like, holy shit, that was insane. You know what I'm saying? And I think what happened later that afternoon was like, they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to try to sort this out. Why don't you just go home or whatever? And I come, I think I came in the next day. And I sit down with Thurup. And Thurup goes, we're going to have to fire you. And this was six weeks into me working for them full time. After I'd th- freelanced for them for multiple months, done three freelance storyboards, this is the second storyboard I've done as an employee of Cartoon Network. And I was devastated. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it because I was like, yo, what happened, man? What, it, you know, what the fuck is happening with Mike and shit, you know? And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, Mike doesn't want to work with you. You're fired, you know? And, uh, you know, apparently all of a sudden he's saying, you know, you, you know, you, you're not getting the storyboard thing fast enough, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this is literally the first I am hearing about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've had, you know, some constructive stuff, you know, obviously whenever you're pitching and stuff, people are giving you constructive criticism, you know, trying to help you figure shit out, you know, but I have no formal training in this. They bring me along. They bring me out there. I'm friends with Thurup, I thought. You know what I'm saying? I think he's this leader of the show. But clearly I've been, you know, for whatever reasons, just thrown under this bus. You know what I'm saying? Because I was doing my job. You know what I'm saying? I was doing everything they wanted me to do. And I was never given an opportunity by telling me, hey, there's these problems. We got to sit down and figure it out. We got to find some solutions. I was never given that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And I was devastated. And, you know, I go home and I call up Pete Browngart and I'm like fucking so furious. I'm like, these motherfuckers fired me. I'm so sad. I'm crying. I'm devastated. I just signed this lease. I'm going to be, have to go home now in shame. I, I'm, I can't believe that this has happened. You know what I'm saying? And Pete comes over and, and we're drinking beers and I'm just processing this. And he's like, yo, you know. Penn and Pat, they want to talk to you tomorrow. So I'm like, all right, all right. This is one of the worst days of my life. You know what I'm saying? I go in the next day. I meet with Penn and Pat. And they've gone on. They've left Flapjack during this time period. And they're developing Adventure Time. And literally, 
the day after being fired from Flapjack, I get, I go in there and they say, we want Adventure Time to take place in a ghost shrimp world. And I can't fucking believe it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yes. Like, this is what I wanted to do in the first place. You know, Thurup, when he got at me, I wanted to do design work. I wanted to do drawing work. You know, but he really wanted me to do storyboarding. He's like, no, you're going to like it. This is the most creative part of the job, blah, blah. He really talked me into doing storyboarding. And then when I didn't get it fast enough, which I understand, you know what I'm saying? It's a business. If you can't do your job the way people around you want you to do it, you're going to get fired. I understand that. The problem I have with it is that I was never given an opportunity to solve the problems. You know what I'm saying? I was never told that there were issues. And to me, that is poor leadership, especially now after creating the Ghost Scouts and learning what it is to be a good leader. That was extremely poor leadership on Thurup's part. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I don't really have much to say to him. I've never really talked to him since then. You know, the other people on the show I'm cool with, um, even though I have salty feelings about the whole thing, you know, um, I don't particularly blame Mike Roth for it because I wasn't, he, we weren't friends or anything to begin with. Like the whole thing was me and Thurup were friends. So it truly felt like someone had fucking backstabbed me. Someone had done me dirty. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I had been lied to because his whole demeanor is, you know, hi friend, hi friend. He's smiling in your face. He calls everybody friend. He's like this little tiny cherub man laughing all the time. And to me, to do that, but then when there's it, when there's the hard discussions to be had with your friends and you don't do it, that's all bullshit. So, you know what I'm saying? I started to feel like this dude's this dude's a fake motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't really have anything to say to him. But going forward, I get the opportunity to do what I wanted to do in the first place. You know what I'm saying? And that is truly shows how crazy your destiny can be. You know what I'm saying? Following my intuition to go build that cabin. Following my intuition to go out and work for Cartoon Network so I can continue to build this vision. So I can get this money to buy my property. You know what I'm saying? Truly, looking back, it's clear that I was destined to work on Adventure Time. I was building a cat. I was basically living in a fort in the woods with my dog. And then I end up drawing, creating the world for a show about a kid who lives in a fort in the woods with his dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, insanity. So, you know, the but but like anything, the first ep- the first season of shows are always super rocky, you know what I'm saying? So it was also, you know, they that it, it was very tumultuous in the beginning and even when they said hey we want to give you this job i had to test for it they like we we were going to give it to you but the studio wants you to do some tests so i do some tests i do some tests i do a couple versions of the treehouse i do a couple versions of the candy kingdom you know what i'm saying and 
they're like, these are great, but you know, you're taking three or four days to do these drawings because I'm approaching it like an illustration. You know, as an illustrator, you spend three, four days working on a piece. And they're like, you need to do these. You need to crank out multiple pieces in a day to do what you need to do on our show as, as a background designer for a show. And I'm like, fuck, you know, I, I'm like, all right, all right, I'll figure it out. And I'm like, I just go back and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I'm about to get fired again. I can't fucking believe it. You know what I'm saying? I go out to LA thinking I'm hot shit. I get fired. I get a dream. I get an absolute dream opportunity as an illustrator. Design the world for this magical show. Do it. You're going to set the style. It's going to be your world. You get to do whatever you want. But I'm not going to be able to work fast enough to do it. And I'm losing my shit. I'm freaking out. But I talked to some people. Talked to Pete. Talked to Bill Flores. Shout out Bill Flores. Big Billy. You know what I'm saying? And, you know... I go in on the weekend and I take a storyboard panel and I blow it up and I put a piece of paper over it. And rather than drawing with pencil like I normally do where I have where I can erase and all stuff, I draw with straight pen like I used to do in high school. And I just go after it and I'm and I'm I'm so freaked out, but I know I am not going to let this opportunity slip away. You know what I'm saying? This is not me. I'm not the one that's going home and saying that I just got fucking fired twice. I'm going to do this. There's no way I am not going to do this. You know what I'm saying? And it's it really connected back for me to breaking my feet. You know what I'm saying? To making that decision, making those decisions that I made then and and having the challenge of building my cabin, taking on that intuitive challenge of going through that process. You know what I'm saying? That's what led me there. So I thought about it and I knew, nah, I have in me what it takes to get this done. And I banged out a, one in, a, in an afternoon and I was like, I did it. And I showed them and they were like, you did it. And we were like, yes. And I got the fucking job. And it was the greatest, you know what I'm saying? And still the first year was very touch and go. It was like every week it was going to be canceled. Penn and Pat were wrangling with the executives about the identity of the show, about what it was going to be. Um, all the storyboarders got fired. Um, I mean, shit, almost everybody was getting fired off of the show. So, you know, I went there being a very starry-eyed, you know, wow, Cartoon Network. I didn't know how cartoons were made. I didn't know that everything was animated overseas. I didn't know any of this shit. I just went in like, wow, Cartoon Network wants me to work from them for them. Now I get to make cool cartoons like I watched growing up. And I get there, you know, and, and these challenging things happen. And then Adventure Time in the beginning, of course, no one knows what it is other than from the pilot. But, you know, the average person never heard of it. And, uh, you know, it, it looks very much like it might, nothing might happen here. And at one point, you know, they're, they're taking us off the show, putting us on, we work for a week, we got to go home for a week or two. And I'm struggling to pay the bills. Cause I am in debt from coming out there, I borrowed money from my grandpa to even move out there. I just started getting checks when I got fired, you know, so Penn is like, yo, man, don't worry about it. Like, I'll I'll pay you 
whether you're working or not. You know what I'm saying? I'll keep you paid. I'll keep you here. You know what I'm saying? To go from this person that's pretending to be my friend in Thurup, who doesn't say anything to me and then fires me, to this dude, Penn, who is like, yo, man, I will pay you out of my pocket to just stay here. And we're gonna put we're gonna get you on this show. You know what I'm saying? That really restored my faith in being there. That really, you know, helped me get my confidence back. Cause I was I, I can't even tell you how stupid I felt when I got fired and, and even coming back. Like I got the job on Avenger Time, but I'm in the same building with Flapjack is one floor up or whatever. You know, all the people are still up there. I have so many feelings about it. I literally want to walk up there and cut Thurup's throat. You know, saying if there was an opportunity that I would have had to get away with murdering Thurup, I would have done it 100%. I thought about it all the time. You know, I would have fucking slit his throat and walked away. That's how it felt. You know what I'm saying? That's how bad it was. I felt foolish you know what i'm saying i felt like i didn't belong there you know so if anybody has ever been in a situation where where you just feel devastated by it by something going wrong that you never thought could go wrong you know what i'm saying i never thought that my art career that was mine that i'm in charge of would ever lead me to something that devastating but Slowly but surely, Adventure Time started to get its footing. You know what I'm saying? I was putting in work like always, okay, 100%. And 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 on Adventure Time, they utilized me properly and believed in me and trusted in me. And if something wasn't working, we talked about it. You know what I'm saying? Nick Jennings was the art director for Adventure Time. Never could have done it without him. You know what I'm saying? Big shout out to Nick Jennings. He was my Louise Stoddard. He was the he was the resource room teacher that got me through. You know, she was the resource room teacher that got me through high school. He was the art director that shepherded me through that process because I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Again, never done backgrounds before either, even though that's closer to illustration. But still had to still was very scared about being able to produce enough of work. But Nick was very good about giving me the right amount of work. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't give me quite as heavy a workload as the other background designers. He would give me like 10 to 15 backgrounds. And he would give me the main backgrounds. You know what I'm saying? The main areas. And we would go over it all and talk it out. And he made me feel like, you know, hey man, do your thing. This is He created the space for me to do my thing. You know what I'm saying? Penn and Pat and Nick Jennings. You know, Kelly Cruz, the producer. You know what I'm saying? They really gave me the opportunity to use my strengths. You know what I'm saying? They let me work at home uh, once we got rolling. You know what I'm saying? Again, just super cool, right? Like not trying to fit me into how, how everybody else was there, but they saw what I could do and they set me up for success. You know what I'm saying? They let me do my thing. And of course, the results were great. You know what I'm saying? designed before the show was on TV, designed all the major locations for it, and then spent the first four seasons 
you know, being the head background designer of the world and just, you know, designing all the, all the main locations there and, and, you know, all the kind of key locations in each episode for the most part. Um, and, and, and just, you know, letting me do it on my own time. And, and, you know, obviously I was meeting the deadlines and shit, you know, bringing it in every week. I would come in once a week to pick up and drop off and hang out with my friends, you know, saying eventually we got a whole bunch of great people on the show. Um, I mean, there always was Adam Muto was on the show from day one, you know what I'm saying? Phil Rinda was the character designer and then they brought on Tom Herpick and they brought on Jesse Moynihan. They brought on Akko Castuera. They brought on Rebecca Sugar. You know what I'm saying? Um, Kent Osborne writing the show, you know what I'm saying? Eventually, of course, Flapjack got canceled. And that felt really nice, <laughs> you know, that that now Adventure Time had far surpassed whatever Flapjack had accomplished as far as the show goes. And they were no longer working there. And I was. And, you know, the petty part of myself uh, enjoyed that. You know, now I've pretty much let it go. There was, for many years, I was very heated about the whole thing and frustrated with everybody who was involved in that part of it. But, you know, now I've pretty much, you know, let it let it be what it is. And, uh, and it was great. Everything from there really worked out. You know what I'm saying? I had a great time working on the show. Uh, I saved up my money. I bought the property that I'm at right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, I ended up after that meeting my wife. Oh, it looks like we have a visitor to the podcast. Let's pause it. That was Wolfie right on cue as I'm talking about meeting the lovely Athena Bandit out in, or the future Mrs. Athena Bandit out in, uh, out in LA. I met my wife out there. You know what I'm saying? Have my first son, Wolf Bandit, out there. Um, we changed our last name to Bandit right before we got married. You know what I'm saying? I always thought it was kind of weird how when people get married, one person takes the other person's name. And, uh, you know, I felt like it'd be really fun. And especially because you know, I had bought the property and we were going back to really do this homesteading and pioneering and, you know, off the grid lifestyle, you know, this whole pioneering adventure that it'd be fun to pick a new last name and and, and start a, a new branch of the family tree, start a new legacy, you know what I'm saying, under the bandit family, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so we changed our last name to bandit. Now, of course, there is Juniper Bandit as well. So we have a lovely family, you know what I'm saying? But things started to work really well out in L.A. And, uh, you know, as, as things came together, we started to make the plans to come back. And I uh, told them that, you know, when I was done doing backgrounds on season four i would be quitting to move to vermont and build a house 
and return to my freelance illustration career because even though you know the 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 il the job at Cartoon Network was a dream job you know designing the world for adventure time and what adventure time became and what it means to people you know and it was just blowing up too i mean that was right around the time where it just really started to blow up and just really come into its own um you know a lot of people thought i was crazy or that you know i wasn't really going to move but for me it was a no brainer you know um you know i could feel my creative flame starting to dwindle a little bit there because you know you're i was working on the same project and uh the just the amount of work that you have to produce when you're working on a show um it's not conducive to necessarily doing your best work or or for me anyway and doing um your you know the 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 volume of work that you have to do spreads you a little thin. You know what I'm saying? When I'm doing 10 to 15 backgrounds a week, I can't make each one as good as I want it to be. You know what I'm saying? And that's really what makes me love drawing. It's sitting at the desk and working on a piece and pushing it and looking for those breakthroughs and having the attitude of really trying to make my best piece every single time. You know what I'm saying? So um and and that's what freelance illustration is i like having i like having the positive pressure on me that if i don't produce my best work right now i'm not going to get any more work you know what i'm saying that to me keeps my keeps me very hungry to get great work and uh you know what i'm saying to to just do my best work every time so I was very excited to get back to my freelance career at that point. Um, so it was really a no-brainer, and I truly had this vision of going and homesteading. And, uh, you know, the the Ghost Scout thing was was also people were starting to ask about the Ghost Scouts because when I had built my first cabin, um, my homies, uh, Daddy Ball Scout and Tight Jeans Mocklinson and Midnight Thrasher, and uh porno pete you know what i'm saying um the original ghost scouts um was was kind of a group of my friends that would come camp out in the woods on mystery mountain where I, when i was building my cabin and when i was living in my cabin and stuff and uh you know i just i just started to talk about us as the ghost scouts and as a fun kind of marketing thing for the website as a fun branding thing to add some mystery and intrigue to the ghost shrimp brand you know what i'm saying and um and that was uh that was starting to catch people's imagination now that i was now that I was uh, getting more and more notorious, people were asking, how do I become, how do I, how do I become a Ghost Scout? So when we left and when we moved back here, you know what I'm saying? We got here and we drove, a, we did, took a six-week cross-country road trip with a pop-up camper and a big truck with the dogs in the back. And Wolfie was just a little baby. He was about 10 months old, and we camped out across the country at the National Parks, Grand Canyon, 
Carlsbad Caverns, Mesa Verde, saw some super incredible stuff, you know what I'm saying, the Great Smoky Mountains, it was fucking amazing. We got here, it was the springtime, and we had till the winter to build something that we could get inside, you know what I'm saying, it was a crazy scramble, and that summer I had the first Ghost Scout training camp, you know what I'm saying, people were asking about it, so I was like, all right, I'm going to make a Ghost Scout training camp. I didn't really know what that was. But we put it together and we figured it out and six people came. You know what I'm saying? I put it up on Facebook that the first ever Ghost Scout training camp was happening and six dudes came. And we, you know, drew half the day and we basically did forestry stuff half the day because, you know, there wasn't anything to build here yet. We built the outhouse. And, uh, you know, the the... The whole Ghost Scout thing just kind of built from there. We've done it every summer since. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny because that has become such a big part of my life. You know what I'm saying? Doing the Ghost Scouts and, you know, bringing those two elements together. Of being here, you know, fulfilling my dream of... You know, coming here and building a little house myself and, you know, it's going to be solar powered and all this stuff, you know, this, this, um, this neat house in the woods that I've been working on. Again, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm just starting to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is six years in to being in Vermont and I'm just starting to get kind of to a serviceable level with my skills as a carpenter. So that's really fun. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's not like I knew what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I've never, ever known what I'm doing in my life. But, you know, if you sit there and you work on a vision of what you want to do, it doesn't matter. You don't know how, you don't have to know how to do something. All you have to know is what you want to do. And if you know what you want to do and you're willing to take that leap of faith, you know what I'm saying? That's what's going to get you to where you need to go in life, to where you want to go, to who you want to be. You know what I'm saying? And because I had gotten, I had, I had, you know, had the first part of my illustration career go great. I had, you know, come and, you know, done this Adventure Time stuff and had this great next chapter to my career and then really didn't know what would happen with my career. I didn't have any jobs lined up coming back here. You know, I had a family, didn't have a home yet. We just had a forest. Okay. That's all we had. We didn't have a home or jobs. And we happily packed up our family and came here because you got to follow your dream no matter what. It doesn't have to make sense. Okay. If I had described that to a hundred people and when I did, you know what I'm saying? People might go, Oh, that's great. But people are going, wow, that's insane. Okay, that's fucking crazy, you know, and, and when I'm talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I built my first cabin, I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, right? I had no fucking clue, but you figure it out. The best part about it is when you want to, when you have a dream and you have a vision and you get yourself inside of it, you will figure it out from there. You're never going to figure out a dream from the outside. You can only figure out your dream from the inside. You know what I'm saying? And your dream, when it just exists in your head, 
it's different than when you actually try to bring it into reality and try to manifest it because parts of it aren't going to work. And then you have to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Just like when I went to LA, just like when we moved here and we had to, you know, figure out building the house and figuring out my first cabin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at this cabin where we're living right now, I still don't even have hot water yet. Six years later, you know what I'm saying? We live a very simple, rustic lifestyle still. We live in a 500 square foot, half finished cabin. You know what I'm saying? But that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. You know what I mean? I could I could be in LA right now making the big bucks, working for Cartoon Network, but no, I get to sit here in my own forest. I've gotten to create a secret society. You know what I'm saying? I get to do whatever I want. I get to hang out with my kids whenever I want. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a boss. That to me is my dream. You know what I'm saying? To live my own life. And it's fucking glorious. You know what I'm saying? That's what you want to do. That is exactly what you want to do. You know, we've done six years of the Ghost Scouts. And it's some of my, some of, I think it's the most meaningful stuff that I've ever done in my life. You know what I'm saying? We get up here, people get out into the woods. You know, we start doing forestry work, building these cabins. You know what I'm saying? It's something different. People come out here and it's all about them going through that process that I did when I built my first cabin up in the woods where you get unplugged, you get put the cell phones away, you're off the grid, you're out here, you're with a group of people that you're bonding with, you know what I'm saying? We got a schedule, doing the doing the forestry stuff in the morning, doing the doing the drawing stuff in the afternoon, making plans about the future, five-year plans. You know what I'm saying? That is what it's all about. Life is meant to be lived through your passions. You know what I'm saying? So it's very, if you look at the decisions I've made, before I made them, they were nonsensical, okay? After I made them, after I proved it, after it worked, then it makes all the sense in the world. You know what I'm saying? When I tell people, yeah, I made this plan to go to LA for a couple of years, save up money, and then come back here and 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 you know build a build a house. You know, that sounds logical. But at the time, you know what I'm saying, people don't understand it. Because you have to have a vision of your if you don't have a vision of your life to follow. You're going to end up getting sucked into the mainstream vision of life. You're going to get, end up getting chewed up and spit out by mainstream reality, just like everyone else. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want that. You want to live life on your own terms. You know what I'm saying? And the reason that I tell this story is because people know that I've worked for Adventure Time. People know I'm out here in the woods. You know, people know I've done these album covers, this and that, you know what I'm saying? And obviously there's stuff that I left out of the story. You know, it's long enough in this in this condensed version. But it's really important for everyone to understand 
that there are going to be challenges in your life that you face that are going to seem insurmountable, okay? They're going to seem like they're devastating. It's going to seem like you're finished, like you're ruined. You're going to feel like you're a fraud, a loser, you know what I'm saying, at times. But if you're willing to do the work, if you can get yourself If you can wrap your mind around being positive, regardless of what's going on around you, being productive, creating a vision of your best life now, given whatever set of circumstances you have, you know what I'm saying? And then setting your goals and your habits and your routines and your plans all towards that vision of your best future, okay? If you can do those things, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You will constantly get back up and move forward. You know what I'm saying? I'm not worried about anything coming at me in my life. I don't want hardship. You know what I'm saying? I don't want tragedy, but I know I'll have more of it. And I know that when it comes, I'm going to do the same thing that I did before. I'm going to make the decision not to worry about it, not to anticipate bad things happening, I'm going to say, okay, what is my best course of action here? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to come at it every day with, with, with positivity, with productivity, with high morale, and I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to get to work. And every day, I'm going to get a little bit closer to what I'm working towards. You know what I'm saying? I had to rebuild my... You know, I had, to, I had to build up my illustration career in the first phase. You know what I'm saying? Enough to get recognized and get an opportunity to go work for Cartoon Network. I went out there, failed, got fired, got another opportunity, nearly failed again. You know what I'm saying? Doubled down, believed in myself, Thought about every hardship that I had been before, called on that strength, used it, you know what I'm saying, pushed through. And then at the peak of that success where I should just kick back and say, hey, I made it, you know, and 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 sit there and enjoy my cushy job where I could, you know, hey, I've already proved myself on Adventure Time. Now I can just turn in C-level work. I can coast. I can collect fat checks, and then when this is over, I can work on another show. You know what I'm saying? Once you've proven yourself, there's always opportunities for you in Hollywood. But instead, you know what I'm saying? I follow my vision. I follow my intuition to the challenge of coming here and starting all over again from scratch, not only with my career, you know what I'm saying? Because I hadn't done freelance really for the time I was in LA, three and a half, four years. I had done a few album covers here and there, but not much because I was working 60 hours a week on Adventure Time. You know what I'm saying? Always putting in work, always doing my best, always working up until the deadline to get stuff done. Challenging myself. You know what I'm saying? You don't compete with the people around you. You compete with the people inside you, okay? You're never, you, you, you never think about 
the other people. You think about yourself. How can you get better every day? You know what I'm saying? How can you challenge yourself? How can you beat yourself? That is the way you grow. You know what I'm saying? You compete with other people. You get caught up. You get caught up in drama. You get lost. You can have friendly competitions with your friends. That's great. You know what I'm saying? But never look at what other people are doing. Focus on what you want to do. Focus on your vision of your life. Focus on who you want to be. Don't have a plan B. There is only plan A. Keep waking up. Keep planning. Keep pushing forward. You know what I'm saying? Came here. Started from scratch. Did it all again. Still not knowing barely a goddamn thing about building. Having it happen super slowly. But that's fine. I'm not competing with anybody else. I'm competing with myself. And I'm getting better. So I'm successful at it. You know what I'm saying? Some people think that building and unbuilding and building and unbuilding, that that's a failure. What's he doing out there in the woods? Taking apart this ramshackle hut that he just built and building it again. Because I'm competing with myself. That's where greatness is made. Okay? Coming back here and relaunching my freelance career again. You know what I'm saying? Starting from scratch in my freelance career. Not knowing. Not having jobs lined up. Not knowing what was going to happen. But knowing I did it before. And if I put in the work, I will do it again. I'm good enough. Right? Believing in yourself. Having the self-esteem from overcoming challenges. From setting goals. And accomplishing them. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I wanted to talk about with everybody today. That is the important stuff. You know what I'm saying? The story that I've just told you about these parts of my life that fit together and illustrate these points. You know what I'm saying? And I want you to know that truly I am a fuck up who in the in mainstream reality would fail. And do fail. I need to have my own reality. I need to create reality. I need to find the niches, the wormholes, the glitches, the black holes in mainstream reality where I can sneak in and do my own thing there. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a good fit on Flapjack. It was the perfect fit on Adventure Time. You know what I'm saying? There are going to be challenges no matter what you choose to do. Even if you choose to live in regular mainstream reality, you're going to have so many challenges in your life. The challenges might be boredom and not being fulfilled. Okay? Not knowing who you are. Wouldn't you rather have the kind of challenges that are rewarding? Okay? Wouldn't you rather go, you know what? I'm living my dream and sometimes I question it, sometimes it's challenging, but I'm doing what I want to do. I unquestionably know that I'm doing what I want to do and by doing it, I am who I want to be, okay? You can't be who you want to be if you aren't doing what you want to do. They go hand in hand, okay? So that's it, guys. That's the podcast for today. It's actually the second time I did it. I did it before and it was going just too long. So I regrouped and I did it again. So I want to thank everybody 
who loves the podcast, who's been listening to the podcast, you know what I'm saying? Shout outs to you. You know what I'm saying? Everybody who is buying posters on the website, I'm getting back to doing the drawer tierias. You know what I'm saying? Put up a new one yesterday. Another fresh one's going up tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Original artwork, freestyle drawings, uh, drawn straight with pen and then colored in with colored pencil. You know what I'm saying? Check them out on the site. Your chance to get an original piece of ghost shrimp art for 100 bucks, One of a kind. You know what I'm saying? The fresh shit. And also, um, right now, we are in week five of the second round of the 12-week online group workshop. It's going fantastic. You cannot even believe the kids in this, the people in this, the Denmark moms in this workshop leveling up, okay? People are crushing it. It's so exciting to see my man Alexander Lansing, a.k.a. Dusty Lupus, in there assisting me. We're having a great fucking time. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be doing a third round of the 12-week online group workshop starting in January. You know what I'm saying? It's going to start in mid-January. You can sign up right now on the website. Do not sleep on it. You know what I'm saying? The first two rounds have sold out. We got 10 slots. Trust me, it's worth it. It will change your game, okay? It will change your game. You will walk out of there with a different mindset, with a different mentality. All the things that we're just talking about in this podcast, you know what I'm saying? Putting this shit into practice, you know what I'm saying? Exercising, eating healthy, getting enough rest, planning your future, making a five-year plan, getting the dry erase board on the fridge with your daily goals, getting a, a, a planning book for your weekly and monthly plans, professional practices. We go over everything. Weekly assignments. Okay, weekly one-on-one vid chats with me. That's where we get the real work done. You know what I'm saying? Half of an hour every week, you and me chopping it up, getting to the heart of it. You know what I'm saying? Building a friendship with each other and getting you to where you want to go. You know what I'm saying? You want to make a life that you love as a professional visual artist? Take this workshop. This is the best thing you could do to get there. I swear to God. Okay? We've proven it. I've proven it to myself. I'm amazed. I am amazed. It has surpassed my expectations of how good it is. So go to Gosham Look. Go to GhostRoomGlobal.com right now to sign up, okay? And as always, send me questions for the podcast, you know what I'm saying? Give me a review on iTunes, on SoundCloud, you know what I'm saying? And always remember that you don't have to agree with everybody in the world. Not everybody has to think alike. Not everybody has to be from the same place. Not everybody has to look like you, think like you, you know what I'm saying? We need to treat each other like cool people, you know what I'm saying? Anybody can be a murderer, anybody can be a savior, anybody can be anything. We all have the full scope of the human experience inside of us, okay? Activate the positive part of yourself and work to activate that in other people around you, you know what I'm saying? That's what the Ghost Scouts is all about. Helping other people manifest their perfect, not their perfect. There's nothing perfect, okay? 
manifest their best reality. Perfection does exist, but it cannot be anticipated, right? I live my perfect life now, but I could have never anticipated it all. You know what I'm saying? Ever. I could have never anticipated that my version of perfection is struggling to be a carpenter, but it is because that's part of my story. You know what I'm saying? It's perfect. All right, guys. So until next week, set some goals for yourself. Do some work. Go out of your way to make someone else's day better. All right? Peace.